Good morning. Um, as a part of our worship each week, we read the Bible out loud and listen to the word of God preached. Today I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. After reading of God's word, I will proclaim, this is the word of the Lord. And I would invite you to respond prayerfully, speak, Lord, your servants here. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of the Lord. Speak, Lord, your servants here. Please take your seats. All right, thanks, Emily, for reading the scriptures this morning. Again, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. All right, well, this week we are starting a three-week mini-series called Lord Teaches to Pray. And here's my hope as we launch into this series. Number one, that we would not be a church who has a program of prayer, but that we would be a people of prayer. Second, that we would not feel shamed about not praying enough, but rather that we would be empowered and encouraged to pray, and last, that we would marvel at the relationship we have with God the Father, and that our prayers would be marked by our love for Him. Now, here are just a few reasons why, why we believe that this series is important in the life of our church right now, okay? First, First reason is this, God has been and is at work in the life of our church in some remarkable ways. Let me give you a few examples. The fundraising campaign we did through the month of December. Unreal. God met what we were believing for and just about doubled the amount we were trying to raise in December to finish out the building. Unreal. Um, the, uh, the last 20 Four months have been marked by lots of instability and change, and God has been really good and kind to us to see us through another year. That's cool. God is at work. Um, uh, God is opening some really remarkable doors in the community for us to go be on mission to make disciples of Jesus, and that also is very special. Um, and also, I would, I would say that you, Taproot, are very unique people, and I mean that in a really good way. Uh, you are very willing to be vulnerable and honest with, with stuff. And I think that's a work of God. And so God is at work in the life of our church in incredible ways. And so praying is a way of acknowledging and thanking God in the midst of his work. Another reason why this is an important series in uh, the life of our church is the future of Taproot. We believe that the future is bright for 
our church. We believe that God has providentially planted us here in this block, in this strip mall, in Burien, for us to be an outpost of heaven, to make disciples, to equip disciples, and to send disciples on mission for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of uh, the good of other people, and uh, the advancement of the gospel and God's glory. So prayer is us acknowledging that we are desperate for God, that we need him. The Bible says that unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor are doing it in vain. Prayer is an acknowledgement that we have not arrived as well. And just personally, I would venture to say that a lot of us feel inadequate in our prayer life. But this is an area of growth. So that's an important reason why we are going to go through this series. And finally, people are going through a lot of stuff. I know a lot of your stories. I know a lot of what's going on uh, relationally. There is uh, marriage uh, issues, parenting things, things with work and finances. So there's a lot going on. How many of you guys have on your phone the, uh, the version app, the Bible app? Anybody? It's the most... Um, the most popular Bible app in the world. And uh, what they're doing now is, uh, for the last few years, they've been just uh, tracking, uh, keeping data, analytics of what are, uh, what are the most shared, underlined, and searched for scriptures uh, that are uh, in, in their app. And for the last three years, uh, the theme of the most searched, underlined, and um, uh, searched, underlined, and there was something else. Highlighted, thank you. Scriptures, the theme is the same. Now, I'm, I want you to think for a second, what do you think that theme would be? Anxiety. Worry. Fear. The verse that was most searched for this past year was that scripture, I think it's Philippians, that says... Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition, present your request to the Lord. How many of you can relate to that idea of, man, there is a lot going on in our world and can makes us, it, it can make us anxious and fearful? And not, not, not just, uh, you know, uh, uh, globally and nationally, but in our spheres of influence, our, wor- our work, our families, our schools, our relationships. So I think that this is just a very appropriate series as we launch into a new year. And, and really the, the hope, the goal is to encourage you, to exhort you in your connection with God through prayer. Now let's get some basics out of the way and then we'll look at our text. Let's define what prayer is. Simply, this is what prayer is. Conversing communicating and connecting with God. Simple. Now, this includes speaking, talking out loud to God. This also includes silent prayer. You could be at work and uh, something may be going on and you're like, gosh, I really need to pray, but I can't just get up and pray out loud. That's kind of awkward. But we can pray in our minds silently because we know that God knows our thoughts. So, Uh, It includes silent prayer, 
Prayer can include journaling. For some, it includes singing, songwriting, and or poetry. Augustine said, he who sings prays twice. So it's communicating, it's speaking with God in the most general sense, but it also includes listening to God. Silence and solitude. And prayer is where we talk to God and we listen to God, and that's how through conversation and connection we build our relationship with God. And prayer really begins with God. The God of the Bible is a Trinitarian God. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. And the Father, Son, and Spirit from eternity past as one God have been conversing with one another. They've been communicating. They've been in relationship, in community. They love, they respect, they honor, they cherish, they, they speak to one another. So that is prayer. It's communication, it's connection, it's love, it's affection. And we are made in the image and likeness of God to communicate, to pray, to talk to God, to listen to God, to be connected, to be in relationship. And because of Jesus and his work on our behalf, God sends the Spirit to dwell in us. And God, the Holy Spirit, enables and empowers us to pray. The Spirit has been talking to the Father and the Son from eternity past and will communicate with them till eternity future. And He dwells in us to teach us to be prayerful. And this is amazing. So we pray to God the Father through Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. That is the basics of prayer. Now, here is the big idea for this morning. This is on the screen. Here is what we're going to see today in our text in Matthew 6. Prayer is all about motivation. Prayer is all about motivation. In having God as our Father, it affects, it impacts, and it changes the way that we pray. That's the big idea. Now, before there were any books on prayer, and there's a lot of them, and some are really good, before there were any conferences about prayer or tips on prayer, there was the Lord's Prayer. This prayer is known throughout the world. It is recited at the beginning and end of many events. And I would say the Lord's Prayer is perhaps the most famous prayer in the world and in the Bible. But the Lord's Prayer was given for the purpose of it being an example and a model of how to pray more than it was given just for repetition alone. In the parallel story in the book of Luke, Luke shows us what caused Jesus to teach the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11 verse 1 says this, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so the Lord's Prayer was given in response to this question. This, this disciple saw Jesus praying, and he saw something compelling. He saw something different. He saw something that, that, that resonated, that was not like anything else he'd ever seen. And so he goes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus, Jesus, how can we pray like you? Can you teach us to pray the way that you pray? How can we be moved 
to go pray so often like you do when you slip off early to pray. No doubt this is what this disciple was after. He wanted to know how to pray like Jesus. And listen, I want to know as well. I want to learn to pray like Jesus. So let's look at what Jesus said about how we are to pray. And let's start where Jesus starts, which is verse 5. And Jesus shows us first how we are not to pray. Jesus lists two groups of people, the hypocrites and the Gentiles, as examples of how we are not to pray. And notice what he says about the hypocrites in verse 5. He says that they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corner that they may be seen by others. Now this may sound strange in our uh, 2020 Seattle culture, but these guys would literally go to places where people could see them, and they would make these scenes by praying loudly. The Jews had the temple in the middle of the city, and it was not unusual to see lots of religious activity going on, debates and singing and people praying. But Jesus here is nailing their motivation. They do this to be seen by others. So the first way how we are not to pray is not to pray like the hypocrites. And to do that, we would pray in public with the motivation of being noticed and recognized by others. Now listen, there is nothing bad with public prayer. Public prayer happens in our gatherings. Public prayer happens in our small groups throughout the week. Public prayer happens in all kind of places, but the challenge is the motivation. It is easy to have that slight temptation enter. I'll do this, and I hope people will take notice of me. I hope they like what I have to say. I hope they are affected by it, and I hope they tell me. The word hypocrite comes from a word that really means actor. So the hypocrite, when praying, really is acting. They are not true to who they are. Their prayers are insincere. Their prayers are not authentic. Their prayers are not genuine. Jesus says that the, the stage presence of the hypocrite is to look like they're praying, to look like they have a relationship with God when they're really pursuing the applause of men. They're not praying, they're acting. And so Jesus is targeting that the major issue of prayer is motivation. And one dangerous motivation is for the purpose of being seen by others. Now listen, this is a temptation for me. How many of you have ever done one of those like personality type tests or like the, like the Enneagram? Anybody? Listen, I, on the Enneagram, I am a three. I am an achiever. I am a performer. So this is, this is a temptation for me to, to try to perform and achieve and look a certain way. I, I wrestle with that daily. Anybody relate to performance, that achieving type of personality? That's me. 
So, so this motivation is, is one that, that could very, very easily enter into my soul, and that would be what drives me to do certain things. But one way that I, that I try to, to use to check this motivation in my heart is ask myself or ask yourself, how do you respond? How do I respond when I do something and no one notices or compliments or they don't give me what I think that I deserve? I do that quite often because I wrestle with this, this motivation of being seen by others. So that's one way of how not to pray. That's one motivation, to be seen by others. The second way of how not to pray is to pray like the Gentiles. And notice what Jesus says about the Gentiles in verse 7. They heap up empty phrases and they use many words. And his point here is that they are superstitious about their prayers. They, they say the same mantra over and over for the purpose of getting what they are praying for. And their belief is that if, if they say certain things in the right way many times over, God will somehow answer their prayers. If we, if we lift up our hands in a certain way when we pray. If we use key phrases over and over again, you know, uh, hallelujah, Father God, amen. For example, or if we use like a like a like a like a spiritual prayer tone, God will somehow look upon differently and answer our prayers. And again, the challenge here is motivation. Superstitious prayers treat prayer like it's just mechanical, like it simply needs to be habitual, and that there are ways to get God to do what we want God to do if we just pray a certain way. Anyone ever gone that route? When I was in Bible school, uh, I had this friend who, uh, uh, I actually don't even like this term, but he's what uh, uh, traditionally in the church would be called a prayer warrior. This guy had a connection with God. He loved praying. He woke up early to pray. And, um, and I thought, man, I want what that guy has. Maybe if I just go hang out with him and, and you know, if, we just, if I just pray with him and see what he does, and then, then I do it myself, then, then, maybe, then maybe God will hear me. So I literally, for the next, like, month, got up early, went into this dude's room, and, and just kind of interrupted his devotional time when he was praying, and I was just, like, studying him. I was not even connecting with God. I was just watching him. Because something said, if you just do what he does, you will have what he has. And then I realized how ridiculous that was, and I stopped. But we do this. So two ways not to pray. Don't pray hypocritically, uh, without sincerity and genuineness, and don't pray superstitiously. But just think about how, how easy it is to, 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 to let these things uh, slightly enter our minds, our hearts, and how easy it is to practice these two ways of connecting with God. It is easy to want the applause of others. Am I right? Easy for me. It is easy to try to be something that we're not. It is easy to, to want to parade our righteousness before others, to be noticed for being someone really spiritual. How, how easy it is to live in the church culture and try to look and act spiritual, and how easy it is to live for the applause, the approval, and acceptance of our friends. 
But it is also very easy to fall into the trap of seeing prayer as nothing more than a set of chants we say in order to get God to do as we want. Bud Light hit this on the head a few years ago with uh, these uh, series of commercials called It's Only Weird If It Doesn't Work. You guys, anybody watch some of those? All about sports superstitions. You know, with guys sitting on their couch, shoes off, tapping their feet in the same way over and over, from the guy slapping his team flag over their door to the guy rubbing his bald friend's head. Everyone had something they did to try to help their team win. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Listen, I've done this as a soccer. I coach soccer in the fall. I saw, this year, I literally did this. We would win a game... In the next game that we had, I would purposefully wear the same clothes that I wore to coach that game. It's ridiculous. But I did it. My other superstition is this about my sports teams. I believe that the more pessimistic that I am, the better they will do. <laughs> like, like if I say the Cowboys are going to lose today, really in my heart I'm like, we're going to win, you know? Like, the more pessimistic that I am, I somehow believe that this is going to somehow mysteriously, supernaturally make us better. And of course, it doesn't work. But as funny as all that sounds, we do this. We do this with our spiritual lives. If we pray again a certain way, in a particular order, with certain phrases, repeating some things, God will listen. Basically saying that prayer is, is nothing more than just rubbing a lucky rabbit's foot. So is either of those you? Do you see yourself uh, uh, slightly entering any of those uh, uh, examples? Praying to be noticed? Superstitiously praying to twist God's hand? Insincere prayer? Prayer motivated by the wrong thing. Is any of those you? Jesus is going to say to us here in the text that prayer is a lot more than that. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to show us how to overcome insincere, superstitious prayers. In Jesus, really, we could sum it up what Jesus said with one phrase. Four words. God is your father. God is your father. Let me, let me show you how Jesus does this. The answer, or to answer the hypocrite's way of praying, Jesus says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So in other words, you don't need to pray for the applause of men because you have God as your Father and the hypocrite's way of praying doesn't give lasting rewards. And to answer the, the superstitious way of praying, Jesus says in verse 8, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So Jesus is saying, in other words, superstitious prayers don't work with God on a father who knows your needs and is willing to meet your needs. 
And so the question we've got to ask ourselves is, why does understanding that God is our Father change the way that we pray? That's the question. Well, knowing that God is our Father first means that we do not need the applause, the, the approval, the acceptance of others. Why? Because you, Christian, have His. Notice Jesus' concern with the hypocrite's way of praying. They did it for the applause of others, and they received that reward. Others will see them, some will applaud, some will compliment, and they will be noticed. But then what happens? It's over. The applause, the compliment, the notice does not last. And so what do they have to do? They got to do it again. So it's this bizarre little performance trap. Do you see that? We need to do this again because it's never enough. But the, the prayers of Jesus' disciples are different. We pray in secret to our Father who sees us in secret. And our Father who sees us in secret will reward us. And this, this phrase reveals to us the unique nature of the relationship we have with God, our Father. Now, now think of uh, a relationship that you might have with your father or a mentor or a father figure in your life. Would you ever stand on the street corner loudly talking to him? Hey, Dad! Dad, I, I need this! Can you imagine that? Would you ever just, just stand there talking loudly for the purpose of others seeing you talk to your dad. Now that's bizarre. That's beyond bizarre. Where do you talk to your dad? Or where do you talk to a mentor? Or where do you talk to, to a father figure? At home? In the car? On the phone? And, and when do you ever go around bragging, hey, I talked to my dad today for people to notice you. Never. We, we would never do this. And that's why Jesus says to go to a secret place, shut the door, and pray and connect with him in secret. And Jesus really is speaking here more about motivation than location. He's showing us that a relationship with our Heavenly Father is not something that we parade about and try to show off for others to see. Christian prayer is a personal relationship between us as God's children and Him as our Father. It's, it's connecting relationally with Him. And Jesus speaks about rewards. So what does God reward us with when we, when we connect with Him in that way? If the hypocrite's uh, reward is the applause, the notice of others... What does God give you and me? Well, the text really does not explicitly tell us. But from Jesus' emphasis on God as a Father, we can get an idea that what we will receive and be rewarded with is something fatherly from Him. We're rewarded with this relationship that's 
marked with intense love and care and approval and acceptance. We are rewarded with forgiveness and compassion and mercy and care and grace. And friends, unlike the hypocrite's reward, these things, this relationship, this fatherly connection with God will never fail. And how should this affect us? We don't need the applause of men, so then prayer becomes genuine and sincere. When you realize that you don't need to do anything to make, to earn God's favor and notice and acceptance and applause, your connection with him then is genuine. And it's motivated by that relationship. We receive all we need from our Father, and our prayers are motivated by that relationship we have with him. This is what Jesus did, and this is why he did it. He received all he needed from his relationship with his Father, and there was such intensity of love between them that he had no need to flaunt that relationship for others to applaud. So friends, listen, we don't need to flaunt our spirituality or brag about our prayer life. Those things reveal that we are not praying in secret nor being rewarded in secret by our Father who sees in secret. And one way to apply this to your heart is to let this truth amaze you that the God of the universe knows your name, that he knows your heart, that he loves you through Jesus like he loves Jesus with white, hot intensity. That is how your Father loves you. And hopefully, this will cause you to want to talk to him. He's your father who gives you all the approval, acceptance, and care you'll ever need so you do not have to pray like the hypocrites. Now, knowing God is our father also means we know and believe with all our heart that he is willing and able to meet our needs. Let me ask you a question before we move forward. Anybody having trouble believing that right now? I mean, ask yourself that question. The one, you know, the, 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 your marriage is on the rocks and you, you've been fighting, you've been praying, you've been believing and nothing has changed. Maybe there's, maybe there's a, a sin that is just entangling you. And you're like, Lord, I just, you, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, but nothing seems to change. Do you believe? Do you really believe with all your heart that God our Father is willing and able to meet all your needs. We saw something similar to this last week when we looked at Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11 say this. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? 
What do good fathers do? They care, they protect, they provide for their kids. All of us who are parents in the room have had those moments when our kids come and say, Mom, Dad, I'm hungry. And there is not a parent in the room that has allowed their kids to starve on purpose or or provide clothing for them or shelter or any of their needs. As a matter of fact, Jesus' point in Matthew 7 is that every good parent in the world even those who do not believe in Jesus will do this. Jesus says there, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? Now, Jesus is not saying that God will give you and me everything we ask, but he is saying that the God of heaven is good and that he is better than every single dad of the year in the history of the universe by infinity. And he gives us this comparison and a metaphor. Why would good fathers give to their kids what they need and God not do this? No, rather, if earthly fathers do it, then you can count on the fact that God will do it that much more than they do. Now, back in our text in Matthew 6, we see that the Gentiles believed that God would hear them and answer them if they used repetitive phrases or chants. But Jesus says, those don't work with God because he's your father and he already knows what you need and he's ready to ask, to act. And all we got to do as God's children is come and connect and ask. Not in a repetitive, whining, chanting, using lucky charms type of way. No, just pray, because we're in relationship. Just ask. Now, one question I get from people is this. If God knows everything, why do we pray? Well, Jesus answers this for us in verses 8 and 9 of Matthew 6. God does know our needs before we ask. But rather than that stopping us from praying, it should motivate us to pray and ask. Now ask yourself this, which would you rather have? A God who does not know your needs, which means that he does not have the ability to meet your needs, or would you rather have a God who knows all your needs and has the omnipotent power to meet all those needs. Well, that's a no-brainer. And what Jesus teaches here is remarkable. Your Father knows your needs before you ask. Therefore, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father. So here's the motivating force for why we pray when we know that God knows and controls all things. He is our Father. The omnipotent, immutable, unchanging, holy God of the universe is your Father, and He is eager and willing and able to meet all your needs. But let me entice you, entice your hearts even more to connect with your good Father. He's not only eager, He's not only willing. He's not only able to meet your needs. He has actually promised and guaranteed that he will do that 
by sending his son Jesus to this earth to die for our sins and pay our debt. Romans 8, 32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Do you see it? God did not spare his son, but gave him up for us. And because of that, he will graciously give you all things. In other words, God has met your greatest need already. The forgiveness of your sins through Jesus who he gave up for you. And since he's done that, why would he not meet your lesser needs of food and clothing and shelter? Let me end with this. This verse is a promise and a guarantee that when we pray, when you pray, we don't need mantras, we don't need superstition, because Jesus has come for us as a gift from God and a promise of God caring for us. And that's amazing. And here is my sermon in 12 words. God is our Father. This truth changes everything in the way we pray. We don't need to do things to impress Him. We don't need to manipulate Him. We're not looking for His applause. We don't need to make deals with Him. We, we communicate with Him. We, we connect with Him about our dreams, our desires, our pains, our sorrows, our anxieties, our struggles. And we're talking to our Father about life. And here's the beauty. He hears you. Because he's your father. Now, we can only say this if we know that God is our father. And God is only our father if we are known by God through Jesus. We are only known by God through Jesus if we believe that Jesus, God's son, lived the perfect life, died in our place, a substitute's death, rose again from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Friend, if this is your belief, then listen. The time and place does not matter. Just ask, connect confidently. God's ear is attentive to your prayer, and he cares for your needs. The point is pray because he's your father. But if this isn't you, then turn to Jesus. The only guarantee that God hears your prayers is if you are found in Jesus. And this morning is a good morning to turn to Jesus. It is a good morning to have God become your father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. God, thank you that you hear us. We, we never have to worry. We never have to doubt if you are listening, if you hear us, if you are attentive to our prayers. Thank you that you hear us because we're your children. Thank you that you love us and care for us as a father and you want the best for us. You want to provide and, and, and care and give to your kids. Lord, my prayer is that you would make us, this church, a people of prayer. Like, like Kyle prayed earlier, may, may, the, may we have holes on our pants and our knees because we are in our, on our faces praying, connecting with you. 
And Lord, I pray that our I pray that 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 our, our prayers would not be motivated by superstition or uh, uh, insincerity, but rather that our, our connection with you, our praying to you, would be motivated solely and o- only by the truth that you are our Father, by the relationship we have with you because of Jesus. So would you make us a people of prayer? Lord, I pray for those who may not know you, help them to see today. Give them eyes to see the beauty of Jesus and give them grace to run to you. I pray this in your son's good name.